Viva Cumberland! Hello everyone and welcome to the Brunton Bugle, a podcast focusing on the trials and tribulations of Cal United Football Club. From Mo Harkin to Tommy Harrison and James Chester to Andy Cousins, we've got it covered. This is episode 11 and we're going to be reviewing last weekend's A595 Derby win over Barrow and look ahead to this weekend's trip to face CFC Old Bays, aka Port Vale. The loss for the usual general news roundup and a look at what X-Blues have been getting up to. For this episode, I'm joined by my regular co-host, Dan McLennan. Dan, how's it going? Evening, not too bad, mate. Uh, happier for another win, especially against our newfound rivals. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Our first ever derby, I suppose, for both of us, really. I mean, we always look back at games against Preston and Burnley as derbies back in the day, didn't we? But uh, yeah, I suppose this one uh, feels a bit more authentic in the sense it's the same county, but... Is it really the same county? That's, yeah, I know that's going to wind up uh, James Phillips and a few of us, but you know it, it's one of those ones, isn't it? Some people don't think it is, some people do. But uh, but yeah, I agree. Uh, feel a bit better for that win. Um, but yeah, should we just get straight into it, down this week? Um, yeah, fine on. So we've got quite a few things to get through, actually, haven't we? So uh, let's have a general roundup of some of the news that's happened over the last week or so. So first of all, we've got a transfer update, haven't we? We've got yes. another new signing has come in, and. Uh, well, we've been asking for this for a while, haven't we? An, an attacking, creative midfielder. And uh, it looks like uh, Chris Beach has finally listened to our pleas and uh, has brought one in. It's a well, Conum- he's, br- he's brought one in, but uh, it's, it's not who everyone wanted. But. No, no. Let, can, we, can we wait about 30, 40 minutes before we mention his name? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We are going to mention it. Don't worry. Those people who are desperately searching for his name. But, um, but yeah, so the lad who's coming, it's Conor Malley. He's a 20-year-old attacking midfielder who signed on loan from Middlesbrough until January. Um, a few quick facts about Connor that I've uh, Googled this week. Um, so Connor was bought, born in Newcastle, uh, started at the Sunderland Academy, but moved to Borough at the age of 16. Has progressed through the ranks there, signing a three-year professional deal in the summer of 2019. Uh, he's featured in six uh, trophy that we don't talk about games for Borough's under-23s. He's also been on the bench for the first team on a number of occasions. I think last season as well, he was often the 19th man in the squad uh, for, Borough, yeah. for away games. Um, he went on loan to Air United in Scotland. Uh, is that championship level in Scotland, Dan? I, I always forget what level uh, that is. They sort of bounce yes. between the two, don't they? Yeah. Um, it makes sure sense because Morton are in the thing. I'm sure he played against them. So, um, so yeah, he joined Air United in Scotland on uh, half-season loan in January 2020. Um, didn't actually make his debut until the 25th of February, so I'm not sure if there was an injury there or some sort of issue. Um, but he actually went on to score in that first game, a 2-1 defeat against Greenock Morton. Uh, he made four more appearances before the season was curtailed due to coronavirus. He's a creative player who likes to get forward and make chances. Chips him with a few goals, but he's not exactly prolific. Um, seems like a decent enough addition, doesn't he, Dan? I mean, generally, you know when you get a player on loan from Middlesbrough, 
they're going to be a technically very good footballer, aren't they? Yeah, uh, Middlesbrough's academy is quite well known for producing. Uh, they've got quite a, a pr- production line, haven't they? And I, I, also, I, mean, I also wonder, something that hasn't been mentioned, if it's maybe one that uh, the analyst Jacob Blaine has highlighted. It's, it's a good point, actually. I didn't even thought about that one. So obviously, Jacob Blaine, who's our um, analyst now, he was an analyst... I think particularly focusing on the under twenty three. Yeah, I think I think he did a lot of under twenty three work, yeah. so it wouldn't be a surprise if this is one that he's maybe said, you know, I know a lad. Let's get him scouted and see yeah. what he's like now. Yes, that would make sense. Um, of course, Dan, we actually do know from first hand experience, don't we? Just how good some of those Middlesbrough youngsters are, because we've had a few in the past. I mean, the roll off the tongue there. You've got Gary Little, Charlie White, Jason Kennedy, David Atkinson. There's probably others I've missed off there. You, well, Joe Fryer, of course, as well. So, I mean, there's five just to name a few and. I genuinely, we've had some stinkers from other clubs, Newcastle United to name one, but I can't really think of many from middles, but they've always been players you know you can rely on. No, and also another thing, Butter seemed to pick up one or two from the likes of Newcastle and Sunderland, don't they? I know he's certainly not the the first to make the move down the uh, down the road. So There does seem to be a lot of movement between all their academies, actually, when you look yeah, at it, yeah. generally, and the ones who aren't quite good enough to move between them usually end up with us. <laughs> Gently, yeah. uh, okay. Uh, you know, Gillespie, Potts, and uh, Medine, obviously, have another one. Yeah. Um, I, I, I've also quickly add in there as well. I would say, sort of, the demise of sort of Hartlepool, Darlington, and York probably helps us in that respect. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. You know, because there's only Hartlepool at uh, National League Premier level now, isn't there? So, yeah, yeah. Well, like I said, I'm sure someone will name at least one borough player we've forgotten that uh, yeah. we've had in there. Uh, <laughs> I haven't mentioned there, but I'm pretty sure I've covered the main ones there, at least, anyway. Um, but yeah, so, uh, decent enough addition by the looks of things. Um, the, one, the one thing you would say is it, it's another young player in a yeah. already very young squad, isn't it? And we've said it before, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if that signing pushes us to be in the youngest average age squad in a division now. Yeah, I mean, if, if you take out Alessandra and Furman, we are a very young squad. Yeah. I would have liked to maybe have seen. I'm not going to mention his name. It's too easy to go into too early in the podcast. <laughs> yeah. now. I've got to, got to, got to stop myself here. But um, but yeah, it would have been nice to maybe have another experience heading there. Um, but yeah, it's just one of those things, isn't it? You 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 got to you got to deal with what you have. And the, the other advantage of bringing him in, obviously, as well, is the fact because he's under 21, he doesn't count towards the um, the wage cap, does he? I think it's under yeah, 21s yeah, don't yeah. count towards that, so that's the key thing. Plus, as well, these young lads, they're all going to be keen as well, aren't they? You know, that they oh, yeah. the football landscape is changing immensely throughout this year and into next year. You know, these lads want to get out, play games, and get noticed. Yeah, definitely. It, it's it, a young lad like him as well. Obviously, he's, he's already gone out to uh, Air United, hasn't he, as well, which shows he's willing at least to. Play regular first team football, so yeah, it's, it's good. I'd much rather see a young lad go to somewhere like Air and then on to Carlisle, yeah, than just sit playing, you know, Premier League Two or whatever it's called now. You know, yeah. it's you know, play, players who do make the step over do say having proper men's football is you know the best learning curve possible. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so that's transfer news update. Uh, we've got a bit of contract news to update as well. Um, Midfielder John Mellish, a.k.a. the South Shields Mateus, as I have uh, christened him now, um, has signed a contract extension to keep him at the club until the summer of 2022. Um, he'd already actually triggered a one-year extension last uh, season, didn't he? Because he'd made enough appearances. Um, 
but has actually been rewarded by the club with a better uh, extended deal. Sort of mixed reactions to this from some people, but I, I know we've been sort of on the fence about him as a midfield and stuff like that. But I did say on Twitter the weekend, I think, you, or Monday when it was announced, you do have to give the club credit for showing a bit of faith in the lad and giving him a new deal. And I suppose it'll allow him to feel a bit more comfortable and grow into the role, hopefully. Yeah, we, there was actually a snippet on the, the club Twitter today. I think there's a, a bigger interview going up today or tomorrow yeah. uh, where he sort of said, you know, like he, he sort of thanks the club for having the belief in him. And, you know, he, he feels more settled and hopefully he can push on and uh, crack on, you know. Well, he's got two goal, or three goals in two games now. I know we don't want to talk about that midweek game, but I mean, I've seen the goals because they were on the Twitter. And I tell you what, his finish for the um, for the second one was a hell of a finish into the top corner, wasn't it? And he had, he had a low volley as well, I think, for the first. So you know, it, it, I said I said to you, didn't I, that he needed that goal to give him the confidence. So, but we'll talk a bit more about him uh, later on, actually, in the in the barrel review because people did want us to talk about that. So we'll move on to the next bit, and that's international call-ups. It's been a while since we able to do this, isn't it? Um, I was well. No, I was going to say we've had the, we've had a couple in the last few years. You know, your your Reggie Lambs and whatnot. Yeah. But to have two at once, that's that's been a lot. I, I can't off the top of my head. I can't remember the last time this happened. I'm sure we've had another. What did Lamb and, and Hope get at the same time at any point? I'm not possibly, sure they did actually. Possibly, but... I think Hope might have been called up to Barbados. Or bit later than that yeah, thing, I think, yeah. so. but um but yeah so two international call-ups uh marcus jewhurst has been called up for the england under 20s to face wales and josh coyote has been called up to the ireland under 21s to face italy both players are going to miss the weekend trip to port vale which is a bit disappointing but i suppose it's good for the two lads i think especially coyote because i know he's obviously he's nigerian born but he was brought up in ireland from a very young age yeah i think i think i think it, i read he, he moved there when he was about what one you know yeah so very young so he'd, i mean you hear his accent it, it, it's clearly a it's a very soft sort of dublin accent isn't it so yeah, it's a, yeah he's clearly a very much irish in that sense um and he, he was involved, I think, in a lot of the under-18s and under-17s, stuff like that. But I don't think he's been involved for a few years. So I suppose it's a good sign of how well he's done for us. So the fact that he's got that call-up. I mean, Dewhurst's not a surprise because England have been keeping tabs on him for years. And Yeah, I think, he's, I think he's played like 18s and 19s already, hasn't he? So. Yeah. Yep, so that's uh, good news for those lads. Um, okay, uh, the only other bit of news before we go on to the next bit is um, we're out of that trophy, aren't we? Oh, damn sure. No one cares about Oh, well, never mind. Right, next bit. Okay. Coronation Street was good the other night. <laughs> it was indeed, wasn't it? <laughs> right. Uh, that, that's enough on that one. Uh, that Villa game's going to be hilarious, isn't it? A game that no one gives a toss about because yeah. both sides are out of it. Four, four all draw or something ridiculous yeah. coming up. Yeah, definitely. Just just stick just stick Farman and Dewhurst up front for that game. <laughs> for a laugh. Okay, so next up, we're going to talk about something that is probably going to be a regular feature over the next few weeks at the very least, I think. It's a... Uh, the EFL financial worries, um, the ongoing issues that are facing all the clubs in the EFL right now due to the lack of fans at games. So there's a few points we're going to look at. So the discussions with the government of the Premier League are still on, currently ongoing, but the government seems pretty insistent, don't they, Dan, that the Premier League are the ones who need to bail out the EFL because the government are going to bail out the National Leagues. Below that, fans are currently allowed to still go to games, aren't they, below the National Leagues? So I think the, the feeling is those clubs shouldn't be too badly set 
aside by the problems. Um, yeah, I mean, there's been this big sort of the Premier League just don't seem to want to commit. But I, I had a, someone made a very good point to me earlier today. You just wondered if obviously the EFL transfer deadline is a week next Friday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so is it sixteenth? I think it is. Yeah, there was the the idea was that they may be worried that if they're given money now, some of the bigger clubs might just wax <laughs> it on a couple of players. When they maybe thought that once the window shuts, we might see a bit of movement. That's an interesting point. I never really thought about that one. It, 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 I suppose it does make a little bit more sense. Really, yeah, I, I don't think I don't think it would necessarily most the League One and League Two. But uh, yeah. I could understand it at some of the uh, the top end championship yeah. clubs. Yeah, obviously I mentioned there the fact that you're allowed to go to games at the lower levels. That doesn't apply everywhere though, does it? Because there's still some places where there's strong restrictions. And my local non-league club, for example, is Prescott Cables, and I've been to watch them a few times. I'm not allowed to go and watch them now. No one is. So well, you can go and watch Workington. You can go and watch. Uh, Colne and Cliverow in Lancashire. You can go and watch all other clubs like that because Prescott Cables are within Merseyside. You can't go and watch them at the moment. So they're been a bit hung out to dry as well. And of course, there's, there's, there's rumours that there could be more sort of restrictions coming on lockdown in the next couple of days. So yeah, particularly by, by, the, by the time you're, you you lot are listening to this, the picture could have changed again. It usually does when we discuss something like this, typically. Yeah, oh yeah, every, every time, doesn't it? And, and obviously the fact as well that pubs and bars or whatever can have more restrictions on them that does affect non-league clubs as well because a lot of them rely on social clubs and things like that to bring their money and keep them going we saw i think it was was it droylston i think in roundabout workington's level they've basically taken a year out haven't they yeah from yeah, football this... because because their social club is not able to run under yeah, the current yeah. conditions so i think it was show. was it murphy tidville in wales possibly Play- playing one of the English leagues but because they were in a lockdown area they just said we can't we can't do it what's the point yeah you know? it's, it's just mad isn't it it's mad yeah. it just shows the issues all these cross-border problems um but yeah so so far the Premier League clubs seem to be offering just a 50 million pound grant um, and obviously remember from last week's episode John Nixon talking about the fact that he hoped what was offered would be a grant I suspect he probably was hoping for a bit more than 50 million pounds because between what 72 clubs that's just about what six hundred thousand, seven hundred thousand each. Yeah, yeah, and Nothing, obviously really. the, the championship clubs will want the lion's share, won't they? Yeah, and and that's totally understandable. They've got much bigger outgoings, and you know you could argue, well, you know that, that that's their fault for those bigger outgoings. But in a normal times, it'd be more affordable to them, wouldn't it? So you know that does make sense. Okay, let's get into this next bit because I've I've got some strong views to share here. Um, one thing that's come out of this is that the Premier League clubs, obviously, you mentioned the fact that Premier League clubs, if they're going to offer us more money, they're going to put caveats on it, aren't they? They're going to insist yeah, on certain yeah. things. You mentioned it before, the fact that we might have to agree to a very low threshold for foreign players or support them in pushing for a low threshold for foreign players yeah, yeah. coming in after Brexit um, and a few other things on top of that, I think. Um, but Man City's chief executive, Ferran Soriano, has called for a rethink of the pyramid and it said that B team should be allowed to help English players develop more and says that the EFL is unsustainable. Um, quite frankly, he can get f- uh, That's my view. Um, yeah, and uh, he can get f- from me too. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I just, it's the absolute cheek of it that, that really gets me because there is a club. Yeah, the, Man City is a big club, right? Fine. But without the oil money that they get, 
without the overinflated sponsorship deals they get to cover the fact that they can't be given as much money through fair play, you know, they would not be sustainable as a football club. They simply wouldn't be. They'd be a also, middling mid, mid-table for Premier League club, probably. Also, is it is it our fault that they've got 70 players? Exactly, yeah. You know, the I mean, size uh, of the squad they've built up. One, one of the papers did the annual how many players have Chelsea got out on loan this season. Your favourite topic, it's, isn't it? It's, it's currently at 25, which is about 5 or 10 down on a normal seasons, but with the EFL window still open, I expect that to hit 30 again and... Uh, you know, it's, it's, like, it's like a little cottage industry at Chelsea, you know. It is, and, and City will be the same in the next few years. Chelsea are ahead of City, basically, aren't they? they they've they been doing it for pushing on, what, 10, yeah. 15 years now. Ch- Chelsea have got lads in the mid-20s who've been out on loan seven, eight times. Well, Jamal you know? Backman, the keeper, he's never been, I don't think he's even been on the bench for them, has he? Yeah, yeah. It, he's a perfect example of it. And, and he's not the only one, he's not the only one. Yeah, and there's, a, there's lads they've signed from abroad who've never probably never been to Chelsea's training ground. They just, <laughs> yeah. they just go out on loan. Turned up for the medical, ran about, and then got got sent to Vitesse Arnhem yeah. and various yeah. other clubs. Yeah, and and thing is, it's not just about hoping that one of them turns good, because even if they don't turn good, they'll still be able to sell them for a decent amount. Yeah. and they yeah. won't have paid much towards their wages over that the, period because the, the clubs they, not they, covered they, it. Often, they often sell half a dozen for three, four, five million every summer. Yeah, which which equates to a first team signing. And it, and again, yeah, it covers most of the way covers the cost of actually running. The setup at that level, doesn't it? It's when, it really when, just drives when, me when, a, when a Premier League team has a full coaching team solely to go out scouting on and the players out on loan, that tells you how broken it is. Yeah, it, it's just a, a a mess of a system, really, isn't it? And the whole B team thing as well. Just it, it really grinds my gears to, yeah, to use yeah. a phrase. It's they don't seem to grasp that the second you put B teams in that league. He loses all the appeal. We've seen the EFL trophy. Yeah. Fans don't want to watch and it. I, I, I get the point that he, he's he's from Spain and the likes of Barca, Real, yeah. they have B teams. Yeah. yeah. They always have had over there. Yeah. You know, good for them. Germany had them. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Good for them. We don't. We never have and we should never bloody well have in the future. Well, the Germany situation, you look at, I think it was in the free league, isn't it? The um, Bayern Munich in there. They won the title last season, didn't they? But they've got to stay down. They can't go up. So it, it's. I, I could go on quite a bit on this one. Yeah. Um, For funny enough, in Germany, I think Bayern are the only one left in the top three leagues now. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think Wolfsburg got close a couple of years ago, yeah, but most, more, of them are, most of them are down to uh, regional league level. Yeah, now. I think Hertha might have got close as well to going up a couple of yeah. years ago. But um, but yeah, it, it's. There's no logic behind it. It's, and the whole idea is, oh, developing English players. Well, I don't give a shit. I really could not care less about developing players for Man City or even for England. At the end well, of the day, I'd much speak, rather... Go on. Sorry. sorry. Speaking of developing English players, I when the trophy was on the other night, much as I hate talking about it, I thought, I'll just have a look at some of these lineups of the uh, the under-21 teams that were playing. And one or two of them were all pretty much English. Yeah. Half of them had the minimum five and uh, I hope 33 year old John Ruddy <laughs> enjoyed his performance for Wolves maybe trying to catch Gareth Southgate's eye for it's, next summer it's it's baffling isn't it it's the whole developing the English players tell you what there's only two English players in the top flight maybe three at a push that one of them's not even that young that I care about developing 
Yeah. Jared Branthwaite, Dean Henderson, and maybe Mark Gillespie, just because I'd like to see him do well. And that's and, it. No, no, no. I'll, I'll add a couple. Uh, well, Liam McCarron, he's Scottish. Jim, he, James Trafford, who's at Man City, yes. funnily enough. And Joe White, who's at Newcastle. Yeah. And you, know, you wouldn't. Oh, only because there's, there's sort of. You know, deals for us from yeah. under EPPP. So. Yeah, and maybe if you wanted to bring Scottish players into it, Josh Galloway and uh, Liam McCarran yeah. are the only yeah. two. The rest, I really couldn't care less about. I re- Good luck to me if these clubs want to develop them. But with you know, the EFL is not a playground for them to develop those players. If well, if if a young player is good enough to play at England level, they're not going to be pissing about playing in trophy games. They'll oh. be in and around the first team already, oh. like your likes of your your Hudson Adoys, your Fordens. You know, it's. Do you think Man United would have kept Dean Henderson back or for the trophy if they were still if they'd actually took part back then? Would they send him out on loan to play forty six games in a season and get You'd some good send, experience? Send him out on loan every time, wouldn't you? Yeah, of course you would. Of course you would. Yeah, so. Yeah, to be honest, I could have more rant about this. I think we maybe we, we, to... we could we could probably do a separate episode on this. To be quite honest, I think we, me and you've got some views on how the EFL could reform stuff, haven't we? Yeah. Neither, like, like, both like, of us. Like, Go on, sorry. So, so, like I've said a couple of times previously, you know, due to what's happened this year, football has a massive chance to reset. But the worry is that the money will talk and yeah. do it to the detriment. Of yeah. the likes of Leeds one and two. Yeah, I mean, just just thrown out there. Both me and you sort of agree. We're not totally against the idea of twenty team leagues in the EFL. I think it would work better. You could have more weekend games, and you could maybe make the cups a bit more entertaining and more, take them more seriously. But then teams would have to agree to effectively be demoted for one season, wouldn't they? And yeah, fight yeah. their way back. So it's it's one of those things. So yeah, we could go on about that all day, but let's just leave that there for now. Quick fans at games update. Um, Petition to Parliament uh, asking fans to be allowed to return to games under safe social distancing measures at every level. Uh, has I've just had a, I've just had a look. Go on. Uh, just shy of one hundred ninety thousand. Incredible, isn't it? That's only over a few days, isn't it? So, just shows how much people do care about that. And uh, some people have sort of said to us, wanted to ask us to ask us to talk about it, and said, "Do you think it'll make a difference?" And short answer is, "It no, I don't think it will." Probably not, sadly, but. No. And I, it would be interesting, I know I put, uh, if you go on it, there is a link so you can see where people have voted from, yeah. and it's actually split it up into constituencies, yeah. which is quite interesting. Yeah. You know, you can sort of tell if it's uh, the small teams. I, there was quite, quite. I think it goes different colours, yellow, orange, red, mm. and Carlisle was red coloured, which showed oh, the, the amount of people who'd signed it for the density of the uh, population was quite high so mm. well done everyone well, I don't, certainly don't remember our local MP making any comments in uh, Parliament about it so we'll have to wait and see bus- too busy trying to get government departments to move <laughs> here in Prime Minister's questions yeah, yesterday yeah. I saw. yeah let's, let's see what happens with that um, but yeah so I don't think it'll make any difference I mean, the, the one thing I just want them to do is just explain why what is the science and the logic behind not allowing us in while allowing us to go to cinemas and to pubs. Obviously, that will be changing very soon, the next few days probably, but what's what's the science behind it? Because that's the thing they don't explain. That's the thing yeah, that drives me mad. Yeah. Um, I'm just actually on that interactive map right now. Mm. 367 signatures in Carlisle. There you go. If you listen to this, go. we'll, we'll stick a, a link on the uh, Brunton Bugle Twitter. We'll also do it on yeah. the uh, Cumbrians.net one. So 
you can go and sign it and get as many names on that as possible. Finally, on the fans of games thing, this latest idea, you've seen this one, Dan. I'm... Yeah. I think it was Chesterfield the yeah. one that I saw. Basic, basically, the plan is Chesterfield are at home on Saturday. Yeah. Fans aren't allowed. But for £15, you can go and socially distance in the social club at the ground and watch the game that's taking place outside on a big screen inside. On the other side of the curtains, the, the game yeah. will be taking place. There'll be obviously be a slight delay <laughs> from the footage to what's happening on the pitch. Yeah, yeah. So you might hear the players celebrating and then yeah. you watching the game and nothing's happened yet. It's, uh, I mean, I mean, un- under this, uh, someone, someone else I was talking to about it, you could get somewhere like Tottenham, you know, brand new stadium. Yeah. They, they could probably fit in 20,000 socially distanced watching on their jumbo screens, you know. It's... It's balmy. It's balmy. I, mean, I think they've done it at Annan the other week as well for a friendly, didn't they? I think they you could go in the social club and watch it, but you couldn't obviously be on the other side of the... Uh, I, I wonder if you get like, your hands slapped if you try and peek through the curtain. <laughs> Fellow there with a big stick, bashing yeah. them. Over there. And will groundhoppers be allowed to class it as a tick? <laughs> yeah, it's a good point, actually. I never thought about that one. Um, but yeah, so... Hopefully we'll have some good news about this in the next couple of weeks, but it, it just seems to be dragging on at the moment and... I think I've seen a latest thing today. It was a post by some journalist from the Telegraph suggesting people should stop poo-pooing the idea of B teams and embrace it almost. Yeah, the same journalist I think, who was. I think I, I think I saw you put that up on Twitter. Well, that same journalist can get too. Yeah, and he, he as well as that, he posted something that said uh, the Arsenal sacking Gunnarsson was the game going wrong the other day, and I'm thinking. Get, get your priorities, mate. Please, that's, please. That's Arsenal who sacked 55, yeah. but then gave Thomas Party two and a half million up front, 240 grand a week over five years. Yeah, yeah. okay. I, I did enjoy uh, Ms. Ozil uh, trolling them though with that announcement about <laughs> yeah. Gunasaurus. So yeah. Go. But yeah, I think, to be honest, Dan, that probably covers the first half. We've gone on probably a bit longer than I expected on that bit. But um, let's get, uh, get ourselves ready for the second half where we're going to discuss... The Barrow game, and also look ahead to this weekend's game against uh, CUFC Old Boys, aka Port Vale. Okay, Dan, time for the second half now, um, and let's look back to last weekend's game against Barrow. Um, another solid performance at home, perfect response to the defeat against Scunthorpe. Uh, never really looked troubled by a pretty ordinary Barrow side, even when we were down to 10 men, were, were we? No, uh, it was interesting reading the Barrow fall and post game. They were going absolutely bat crazy about it, yeah. and just and on, on that viewing. It's going to be a long winter for Barrow because we we were down to ten, which we'll discuss about soon. But yeah. uh, we just didn't we let them come at us and we could take it. But and I think it was uh, I think it was Chris Lumsden and Mark Boyd on Radio Cumbria both highlighted that Barrow should have been playing one and two touch football. You know, getting yeah. at us, they were taking three, four, five touches. You know. Yeah. They just put no pressure on us at all. Yeah. We, I thought we saw the game out quite well in the end. 
Yeah, I think the only play for them really was trying to keep the game going quickly. Was funny enough, Mike Jones. Yeah, it's one of those games. I think that they could have been playing till midnight. I don't think they would have scored really. Furman, I mean, Farmer made a couple of good saves, but he never really was tested that much. Yeah, there weren't. You know, there weren't top corner fingertips. There were. There was. Bread and butter, weren't yeah, they? I was a bit disappointed with them generally, really, Barry. I thought they would have been a bit more of a challenge yeah, for us. And you, you, you quickly, especially. You wonder if, if the fans had been in, would it have been a little bit different? I, th- I think you probably would. I think their fans probably would have been you know, they, egging they, them on. They would have brought a good couple of thousand up, wouldn't yeah. they? You'd think maybe they'd been egging them on and probably giving them a bit of a lift with the uh, yeah. 10 men. But then we probably would have been getting on the back of the ref as well and maybe getting yeah, some decisions yeah. in our favour as a result. But yeah, it's... Uh, what we've done this week, actually, I posted on uh, Twitter on the on the Be Justin Fernot Facebook group. I asked you guys what your main talking points were from the game that you wanted us to discuss. Hey, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> so we've so we've we've got. Uh, I picked four key points out here. Um, apologies if I'm not going to read yours out. There are a couple more. Actually, we're going to discuss looking ahead to the Scunthorpe game as well. So keep keep listening. We, we may still mention it then. Um, oh, Potville, sorry, for God's sake. One one week, I'll actually remember who we're playing. I need to put a big sticky note up that actually tells me who we're playing. Yeah. But, um, okay, so the first talking point, we've already talked about him today, but uh, Big John, I've got to talk about him. Um, finally got that first goal, hasn't he, Dan? And I, I did say this to you, didn't I, that it's going to do his confidence wonders, isn't it? And yeah. it shows on Tuesday night he was taking was a, shots and getting goals. It, it was a bloody good header as well. And uh, Yes, he was unmarked, yeah. but... You know, that's not his problem, is it? You know, that, that's as much about his timing as much as yeah, anything else. Yeah, yeah. He's, he buried it lovely, didn't he? Yeah, he's been making those runs in the box and probably been a bit unlucky, maybe a bit not taking his time and not being a bit more composed with his finishing. Yeah. With that, he just got his head, got over the ball, headed it down. Keeper had no chance to do. Yeah, he? and then obviously after the red card, he uh, he got switched to left back with Anderton tucking in, which probably surprised quite a few mm. people. You know. But no, he'd, uh, he, he he was up and down, and I, I still say right. to you, I still think he, long term, I think he can make a really good defender. You know, I think he's got all the right attributes. He's big, he's physical. You know, he, he can head the ball away really well. But I can see why Beach wants to use him midf- midfield. More performances like that, absolutely. And what he didn't choose that. I mean, the, the trophy games are a bit different because they're always generally a bit more open. You always yeah, get a lot more yeah. goals in them, and you know we've. Young lads out there trying to impress yeah, as well. You get a bit young space, lads, there's yeah. probably a little, little bit more leeway from our yeah. next subject, which is referee. Yeah, so I think we've touched enough on Big John there. He's going to be playing midfield for a while, so hopefully that goal gives him a boost and get on a nice run now and keep his place in the team. Um, referees, yeah. Um, this is the one that most people want us to talk about, isn't it, Dan? And it's not hard to see why, is it? Because we've had two red cards this season. And both of them have been rescinded <laughs> and the ban's Which overturned. rarely it's, happens. Yeah, it's rare to get one of those every few seasons. To get two in the space of the first, what, three or four weeks of the season, it's unheard of. What's going on? I mean, I'm thinking back and I'm thinking, have there been any particular awful refereeing performance this season? Maybe not, other than those two red cards, but from a standout viewpoint... Referees haven't got fans getting on their backs as much. You think yeah, they're a bit more again, composed again, than they're not? Again, you know, is, is is the lack of noise, sort of general hubbub in the background, making them over-analyse, yeah. over-concentrate yeah. even? Yeah, I mean, I mean, look at the Hayden one. When you look back at the video, the refs doesn't actually see it. If he sees something out of the corner of his eye, but he's not looking, 
directly at the incident when it happens. What seems to happen is they sort of tumble off the pitch and the, the player kind of lands on Hayden, doesn't he? Yeah, he sort of, yeah. It's almost, I don't think he's stamping on him, but the way he lands is as if it's going to fall in quite awkwardly. And what Hayden does, he doesn't... Okay, so I'm going to be fair on the Radio Cymru commentators, James Phillips and Adam Jones here, because they only get to see the incident once, don't they, Dan? So for them, they have to make a judgment there and then of what they see. And they do miss things. And that's the thing with iFollow. We get to see the radio commentary. They, whereas when you watch a t- proper TV commentary, they've got a screen in front of them that shows them the replay straight away so they can make judgments or quickly change their minds. James has got to say something and almost stick to it. When I first saw in the thing, my first thoughts were, that's not really a kick out, is it? It's kind of, it kind of shrugs him off with both legs, doesn't it? It's, it's kind of a strange one. It's not, not a kick out, but it's not really a... It was almost as though they were trying to get off of each other, wasn't it? Yeah, it wasn't, but it's the way, because the way he lands on top of him and the way he sort of falls up after that and then obviously goes down holding his leg. It, it looks a bad one. Yeah, yeah. And obviously the, the, the referee's probably thinking the amount of time the lad was getting treated, probably you thought that, that, that added to his you know decision. I, I, I thought he made the decision quite quickly though, didn't he? I don't think he waited too long to make sorry, it. Sorry, what I meant there was once he's given the decision, because the lad's been late for so long, yeah. he's probably thought, yeah, I've been right to give him a red there. You know? Yeah, but clearly when he's watched the thing back on the thing and the referee's yeah. kind of looked at it, but decided uh, it wasn't. on the flip side, when uh, Coyote got through, Patrick Ruff brought him down. Yeah, you could. That should have been a red for me, you know. That one, I think, is quite a difficult one for the referee. To be fair, when you when you watch it on the telly, it's kind of weird because he's sort of going off at an angle, but there's an yeah, amount of space there. Slightly, yeah. The amount of space that's there for him to run into, and you knowing the way he would finish, it is a goal-scoring opportunity, <sighs> but. Maybe he might argue there's a defender who could potentially get across and block. And the fact that he's not going straight down the middle. If he's going straight down the middle there, he's off. No doubt about it. Mm. I think it's because he's to the left of the box slightly is the only reason. That one is a tough one for the referee, I would say. Quigley got away with quite a lot for them as well, I think. He was quite yeah, mouthy. He was quite... Definitely. I think he threw the ball away a couple of times. He, he, he dived in the box late on as well, didn't yeah. he? Yeah, and also left his foot in on Farman. That one yeah. maybe was going for the ball and you could excuse it, but... Yeah. But yeah, it's one of those ones. That said, they, they probably should have had a penalty late on as well. I think there was a quite blatant trip by, I think it was uh, Gavin Riley. Uh, that the referee completely missed. So, um, <laughs> yeah, well, one of those ones, isn't it? Um, yeah. So do we think referees are getting poorer? I think sometimes fans can be a little bit biased and I always try to take a step back and look at it and think, mm, was it really that bad a challenge or was it really that bad a dive or things like that? But actually, so far this season, I don't think the refs have covered themselves in glory, if I'm honest. And, yeah, and, and all I do is a referee, and once he'd sort of viewed the incident, he said it would probably be a yellow for him. Yeah. One of those ones. You, you know, yeah, it's like... He's not, he's yeah, not booted him, has he? He's not swung the, a leg, has he? The, That's the, the thing. intent isn't there, but something's happened sort of thing, yeah. you know. One of those ones, you could book him. and I think yeah. if he got booked, we'd probably turn on and say, oh, fair enough, it's... And I can't imagine, with the injury, maybe the Barry fans wouldn't be happy, but I'd imagine they probably would have been fine if the player hadn't been injured. The injury is not down to that. It's just an awkward way he's landed, isn't it? Yeah. And actually yeah. looks like he might have even done it before the um, the, the incident, really. So, uh, yeah. yeah, one of those things. Um, okay, next talking point, defensive solidity. I think it was um, Kyle uh, who's asked us this question. Um how do you think the defence is shaping up now? Because obviously early on it didn't look particularly great in those first few games. I think six goals in the opening uh, two, uh, well, the opening three games, wasn't there? Nine goals, sorry, in the opening three games. Yeah, um, yeah. 
two clean sheets at home in a row, only one goal conceded in the other game. So that's one goal in three games. Just starting to look a bit more like a unit, aren't they? Yeah, uh, I think McDonald's probably shaking his cobwebs off a little bit. Uh, it seems to have tightened up a little bit beside yeah. Hayden. I mean, that, that, that that's quite good as well, because you think to last season with Byron Webster, obviously with Knight Purcell alongside him, neither of them shrugged the cobwebs off very quickly, did they? No. They took a while. Webster finally settled down when Hayden came into the team, funny enough. But it took him till pushing on Christmas, really, didn't it? To actually yeah, yeah. start looking like the player we thought we'd signed. At least with McDonald, there was a couple of shaky moments against Barrow, but he just dealt with it, didn't he? He just got rid of the ball when he had to. Um, so, yeah, it, 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 good signs there, I guess. Yeah, um, also the two full-backs, uh, they've both been a little bit tentative in the first two or three games. Mm-hmm. And they just seem that little bit more settled and starting to starting to get up the line a little bit. Yeah. I mean, Tanner's the one, I think, that's disappointed me a little bit so far this season. I think he was better against Barrow. And obviously having to play a bit of rear guard action due to the uh, red card, I think he really impressed in that the way he played. Going forward, he looked so good in a couple of those pre-season games. And he, like you say, he's quite tentative. He's not. He's getting I, the ball in good positions. And you think, take on your man. And he's taken him on a couple of times. In the I, him, also, I also wonder with the full-backs, is it the fact that the midfield's chopped and changed a little bit so yeah. far you know when when Thurman played against South End which was Tanner's best game for me I, I thought uh, he was especially the second half he was getting up and down brilliantly mm-hmm. knowing that someone like Thurman's got the nose to just drop in behind you know yeah. so if he does lose it there's a cover there you know yeah yeah I think I think I, I'd probably agree with that I think it, it, that's a fair point the, the other part of this question was do we need reinforcements and what about Hunt as well? We'll cover Hunt in a minute. But I think maybe we possibly do maybe need one facing defence, but I don't think we're probably going to get it. I think the way Beach is looking at it is that he's got Armour who can slot in a left-back. Anderton can move to uh, centre-back if we need. Mellish can play there as well. Yeah. Um, Joe Riley can obviously move to right-back if needed. I don't think it's as much of a concern defence no, as, no. as attack and midfield possibly. So I, do we need reinforcements? I think I'd like to see one more defender in, but it's not going to happen if we're realistic. And priority-wise, I think I'd probably prefer to see someone in midfield coming in. All yeah, the definitely. definitely. Um, Hunt. So, yeah, um, not used when the red card happened last week. Um, we obviously mentioned the fact that Anderton slotted in at centre-back. Apparently, that's where he sees his position long-term, interestingly. Yeah, it's a strange one. I'd said earlier on, you know, Hunt probably had every right after some of those opening games to go to beach and say, why am I not starting? Why am I not involved? We obviously don't see him in training, so he might not be performing enough to get in the team. But there's a feeling of, we paid money for this lad and there was a bit of a, I mean, not a fanfare, but a bit of excitement when he was signed in January, but he's not really had much of a chance so far, has he? No, it's, uh, it's been a bit of a strange one because obviously the whole coronavirus thing came at the worst time for him because he actually played yeah. two or three games at the end and he was man of the match in was was it possibly that Newport game? I think it I was the Newport before, you mentioned, yeah. yeah. And uh, it obviously came at the wrong time for him, but uh, you know, I, I would imagine he'll be a cast to play against Aston Villa in the uh, don't talk about it. Yeah, you'd think so. You'd think you know, so. Get some football into him. I'd imagine as well if if one of their centre backs does get an injury, it is more likely he will just drop in there and slot into that one of those. Yeah, you would think. You would think. Yeah. 
he's probably a bit disappointed that Hayden Dredgar <laughs> yeah. got overturned because that would have been his chance to yeah, yeah. put his put his stamp on a place in the team for three games as well. That's the thing as well. Yeah. It wouldn't have just been one. So, you know, if he'd come in and done well, he, Hayden might have found himself on the bench waiting to get back in. Okay, and then just finally, um, reliance on Toure. Once again, big gimme was the uh, creative spark that made the difference. Do we need other players to step up maybe and start to take the pressure off him a little bit? Yeah, because if if we just... It's a bit like the KO de long thing. If we start to rely on Toure too much, we become one-dimensional very quickly. And in this day and age, teams will pick up on it through scouting instantly, you know, and yeah. they'll just double up on him. And, and that that's when other players have got to take their opportunity and, and show how good they can be. And obviously, we're going to mention the injuries in a bit, but... Players like Patrick and Walker should be able to impress in that situation because they're both, you know, players with pace and ability. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll just uh, just a update. I know a couple of people asked about yes. big big gimme. I've not seen him in Asda this week, but I've only been once. Oh, disappointing. So I disappointing. will keep. I'll keep my eyes out in the early parts of next week. Yeah, you'll have to uh, get a socially distanced photo with him just to just to <laughs> prove it as well at some point. Make sure he's wearing a mask, though, of course. We've got to yes, encourage yes. you all to do that. OK, I think we've uh, pretty much boxed off the Barrow game there. Uh, thanks, everyone, for your talking points. We'll, we'll probably keep doing that throughout the season, I think, because it's good to get to talk about what you want to talk about as much as anything. Um, let's now move on to uh, looking ahead to the Port Vale game. Uh, Burslem's finest we're facing this weekend. Um, an away trip that I'm sure we all look forward to. <laughs> the the uh, love of Robbie Williams' life. Yeah, indeed. He was supposed to play a concert there this summer, wasn't he? Because he'd paid... To have the seats fitted to the bottom tier of that stand. Right, it's I'll been there for twenty ha- years. I'll, I'll put my hands up now. I was possibly attending that concert. <laughs> I need, there you go. Is that, I'm guessing just, that just was... to get some brownie points, obviously. But <laughs> yes, uh, obviously it all got cancelled in June. Yeah, but course. he 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 actually paid ahead of the concert to have the seats fitted to the bottom yeah, of that yeah, stand. Yeah. But obviously, don't need to be used now. I think the concourse hasn't been fitted out yet. So no, no, um, but it'll certainly tidy it up, won't it? That's a hell of a way, doesn't it? Twenty what twenty two years or something to have the a stand finished. Not nearly as bad as Gillingham and their what was it twenty seven year old or no, twenty twenty three or twenty four year old temporary away stand. Yeah, yeah. Generally one of the worst away ends in England. I mean, those who went to Priestfield when it was the old tennis, it wasn't the best when it was the no. tennis, but that glorified golf stand is just the absolute it's 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 not a welcoming sight is it let's put it that way can you, can you imagine middle of february sat up at the back of that with the wind coming in off the midway yeah it's bad enough having to visit the town itself uh, but right. then, let's not go any further with that. um yeah. okay so i've uh, got some interesting facts for you dan about port vale I'm always, i always like to get a few facts now before these games um so uh, obviously Stanley Matthews, you obviously know the fact that he was best known for playing for Blackpool and particularly Stoke City. He was actually, the only managerial job he had was at their city rivals, Port Vale. Um, but he only lasted one season, <laughs> 1967 to 68. And uh, I just don't think management was quite for him somehow. Um, just one man has managed uh, both Cal United and Port Vale, and that's Ivor Powell. But former United player John Rudge had three spells in charge of Vale, winning promotion for the club on three occasions, as well as the EFL Trophy in 1993. I always remember back in the 90s, he was just synonymous, wasn't he, with Port Vale? He, you know, when you heard the Port Vale, you knew who the manager was, didn't you? Oh, it's John Rudge, isn't it? Yeah. Of it yeah. Is. Uh, I think he's had quite a lot of involvement at Stoke, though, hasn't he, in, in subsequent years, possibly John Rudge? I can't remember, but... Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's a fact about that. And obviously... I've, of... I've, I've got one random go on, fact. Go on. Port Vale is not named after the place, which is very unusual for English yeah. football clubs. 
Yeah, I think uh, is it, it's named after, wasn't it, the building where the club was formed or something like that? I'm not 100% sure, but I just know... I have a feeling it is, yeah. yeah. Um I can't think of many others. I think, I mean, you could argue Arsenal, but I suppose it was named after Woolwich Arsenal. So. Yeah. I, th- I think they were known as Burslem and Port Vale at yeah. some point in their career. But. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you'd at some point late in Orient, Orient FC, weren't they? So, uh, that's another one. Oh, I've just, I've just found it. It's, uh, the name is a reference to the valley of Port on the Trenton Mersey Canal. Oh, so. So, there you go. Oh, there you go. Okay, so Port Vale are a team that a lot of people, including us, on our prediction episode, if you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to it, actually expect to win promotion this season, aren't they? Um, they've got a pretty decent start this season, haven't they, Dan? Um, in the league, they've played four, won two, drew one and lost one, currently in fifth place, and uh, one point in sixth place, it's behind United, so you know, they've probably done they've all right. They've also only conceded one goal in the league. That, that's pretty impressive. Which was in the, the defeat at Markham, who were surprising everyone by flying high early. They yeah, are doing quite well, aren't they? Obviously, soundly beaten in the um, in the League Cup. Uh, maybe that's the uh, Knight Percival effect for you. Um, yeah. Clearly making a difference there. Um, yes, yeah, so uh, in the Carabao Cup, they went on the second round to Fleetwood, who obviously beat United in the first round. Um, they did beat Scunthorpe 2-1 in the first round of the Cup, though. Um, their manager is John Askey. Now, when you hear the name John Askey, which club do you think of, Dan? Uh, thingy, my mind. Sorry, my mind's just gone <laughs> completely blank there. Macclesfield. Yes, Macclesfield. He's yes. a. He's obviously he actually. Uh, he did actually um, start out at Portville. He's from Stoke originally. He started out with the youth and uh, got a professional contract at Portville, but he never played a game for them, a first team game. Uh, I think he went to a, a non-league club, possibly in Staffordshire somewhere, and then he ended up at Macclesfield, and that's where he made his name as a player. Yeah, I, think, uh, yeah. I think he was there nearly 20 years as well, wasn't he? Was, he? Well, is, it, is it over 500 appearances? Yeah, 511 appearances, uh, 109 goals, playing as a, a winger slash attacker. So he wasn't an out-and-out striker, but he averaged about one every five. So pretty impressive record, to be fair on him. Obviously at non-league level mostly, but I think he was part of their team that first got into the league. I think it was in 1999, I think it was. Yeah. I think they, also, speaking of Macclesfield, was he not personally owed a good... Six-figure sum when the Macclesfield uh, got liquidated last month. Possibly, I think. Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure if he was particularly making effort to demand it. Obviously, with it being no, his, no, he's uh, the club he spent a lot of time as. Um, so yeah, uh, Askey spent most of his career at uh, Macclesfield as a player, um, and after he'd finished as a player, he stayed there as a coach. Um, he actually had an initial spell as Macclesfield manager in 2003, but it didn't end particularly well. He was, uh, I think he, he was replaced with him. Brian Horton, I think, came in as a sort of manager and he was sort of demoted to assistant. Managed to keep them up and then I think the season after Paul Ince took over as manager and he moved back to being youth team coach. Basically ended up spending the next 10 years or so as either youth or reserve team coach and then was given the uh, manager's job again in t- uh, 2013, back when they were in the non-league by then. Remarkably, and I don't think enough is made of this, he got them promoted as champions of the National League in the 2017-18 season, despite the fact they had one of the smallest budgets in the division, and they still had financial problems despite that. Yeah, yeah. It's quite remarkable, really, the job he did there. Um, that earned him the Shrewsbury job, which was a bit of a sort of plum job at that time, wasn't it? Because they were doing well, and they'd just missed out on the championship, hadn't they? I think Paul yeah, just left them. Yeah, he'd just gone to Ipswich, their manager, yeah, hadn't he? Um, he didn't do particularly well, unfortunately. Um, Askey there, and... I think he only lasted a few months, didn't he, before he was given the chop. And then uh, the Port Vale job 
came up, I think, a few months after that. And uh, I think it was actually not long after we beat them, I think, under Presley, I seem to remember. I think it was one of the last games of the previous manager. And um, and yeah, so Askey got the job. And he spent basically the last 12 months or so rebuilding their squad, hasn't he? And putting together a decent side. And we, we said in the summer that their signings have been quite smart ones, haven't they? They've not, there's no real sort of star men there. We won't, we'll get onto it. I don't think I know who everyone wants to talk about here. But um, additions like Devante Rodney, Theo Robinson, Danny Whitehead, they're all just good, solid Sol- league two solid players, aren't they? players, aren't they? Who, yeah. who know what it's about. They already had the basis of a pretty decent squad, didn't they? And yeah, yeah. In, in Tom Pope, they've probably arguably got one of, if not the best striker at this level, haven't they? In terms of consistency and knowing he'll give you goals and lead the line. Um, although he's been a naughty boy lately. We'll on to that in a minute. Um, so we also obviously like to mention the ex-Blues here. And uh, there is a fair few in this squad, isn't there, Dan? Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, let's start going from uh, back to front pretty much here. Uh, so Sean Brisley, um, one of the uh, Keith Curl signings. He never quite did it, did he really? He was one of those ones that a lot was expected of and he never really stepped up in the way we'd hope um, other than scoring one of the most spectacular wrong-footed volleys you'll ever see, didn't he, against Yeovil? Yeah. He's actually only 30 years old, Grizzly. I thought he would have been a yeah, I, I thought he would have been older as well, yeah. Um, next up, Luke Joyce. Good, reliable name. We all know Luke. Uh, we all know how good a player he can be. Um, one of those plays we probably could have done with him staying, really. Uh, when he did leave, because he sort of struggled a bit, didn't we, after he went. David Amu, one of those players who very much marmite with Carlisle fans, wasn't he, really? I was an Amu fan. Yeah, I think we both were, weren't we? You know, he scored double figures. In a very poor side. In a very poor side, playing out on the wing. Yeah. You know, I, I think he got a bit of a bad press, to be honest. But, I think he was sort of, one of those players people sort of looked at his work rate and thought it wasn't that great, but actually I don't think it was that bad, was it? I think mean, he's just yeah. one of those players who maybe looks that kind and of way in the way he plays. He went to Park Thistle from us and then Cambridge United and he's still, yeah. he still scored goals at all the clubs he's mm. been at. So. Clubs know he's a player they can rely on, isn't he, to, yeah, just, yeah. to do a job there. One player, blinking, you'll miss it player, Mark Cullen. Doing pretty well there. He's one of those players that came to us just after recovering from an injury, didn't he? And he just wasn't really the right time for it, him. And he, was, he wasn't fully fit and I don't think we were playing the football to suit him. No. Very much like Sean Miller. You know, yeah, just... I think one of those players, if we got him in the summer rather than when we got him on loan, if it's been the other way around, I think he would have done well for his last season, actually. Yeah. Um, but he's done pretty well at Port Vale, scored a few goals. He's their top scorer yeah, so far season. Yeah, I think he got eight, eight or nine last season in about yeah. 25, 30 games, which is yeah. decent. And I think as well, it's not just about goals for him. He's a, he's a hard worker and he's a good link player. Yeah, yeah. He contributes a lot more than just goals. And let's get on to him yet. Yeah, the last one, one of their summer signings, Mr. McCurdy. The, the ultimate Carl United Marmite player, I think, really, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. He's, um, this is his last chance saloon, isn't it, really? I think, well, not, maybe a bit drastic, that, but yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe one of his... If he doesn't do it here, he's not going to get many other opportunities, is he, really? He's close to home as well. I was just going to say, he's, he's a stalker lad, so he's, you know, he's got a 10-minute drive to work now instead of coming up the M6. And if, if he can't settle and kick on here... He's got to have a look in the mirror, hasn't he? Yeah. I wonder what it's like for him right now, not being able to go and watch Chelsea games. It must be devastating for him, wasn't it? Too, too, too busy watching the golf from his Probably, Instagram. Probably, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you, you imagine one of these ones, he's probably quite disappointed there's no fans at the games this weekend because I mean, imagine he would have loved to have been riling us up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, he's one of those players, he's like a Joe Garner, isn't he? If he plays for you, 
you should love him, really, if he's yeah, he's yeah. not having a go at your own fans. But if he plays against you, you just absolutely despise him because yeah, of just the way he acts and definitely. plays. Um, but I can't imagine Joe Garner falling out with his own fans, can you? He's just no. he's one of those players. Whereas McCurdy, you quite easily can. If if if, if I win the Euro Millions, I'm bringing Joe Garner back next season. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I'd have him back in here of the week. Okay, so let's move on to team news now, Dan. And the never-ending injury list. It's continuing and that lack of availability might cost us, particularly in attack this weekend. This is the big issue, isn't it? It's not so much the fact that we've got so many injuries. It's the fact that they're all in exactly the same area. Yeah, they're all at the, the top end of the pitch, aren't they? You know what I mean? Keodi with his international call-up, can't be helped. But uh, it's looking as though Patrick could be possibly even a few weeks, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Toure, Riley and Walker all have knocks. Judging from snippets from Chris Beach's presser today, yeah. I would say Walker's likely to play. I think Walker's likely to play. Imp- that's the impression I was getting. I think maybe Toure and Riley maybe sort of... I think if Riley's fit, I think Riley might start just because he's a central striker and we sort of need someone there. Yeah, yeah. Toure, I think, at best maybe on the bench, possibly for this one. Yes, I think from Beach's comments, I think those three touch and go possibly, you know, we'll, we'll have to wait and see whether they're involved. Yeah. Um, Midfield, Dean Furman seems another one who's struggling. Again, touch and go that he'll be involved this weekend. A bit worrying that he's picking up a couple of knocks early in the season, maybe. But yeah, it might just be that lack of preseason. Lack of action, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's going to affect a lot of clubs this we've seen. Like a lot. Yeah, we'll get into Paul Vell in a minute, and they've got their injury problems, to be fair. Um, Josh Dixon's still not quite ready to be involved, and uh, Brennan Dickinson, we've mentioned before, he's not going to be featuring until Christmas. Coyote and Dewhurst, we've already said, won't feature due to international duty. Aaron Hayden is available as his suspension has been uh, overturned. Norman, obviously featuring on a Tuesday night in the EFL Trophy. Um, so he'll probably be back on the bench in place of uh, Dewhurst. We'll talk about it's, golf. It's, it's, it's good that he's got 90 minutes under his belt, though, isn't it? You know, it that, that, been... is, that is a positive thing. But people did ask us to talk about this, so we probably should do. The goalkeeper situation is a bit of a weird one, isn't it? Because we sort of brought Dewhurst in in the worry that Norman's going to be out for six months or maybe... You know, till New Year. At least till Christmas sort of thing, yeah. 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 And he's back, what, start of October. Yeah. That puts us in a tough situation there. And the, the, there do was, we involve you or not? There was a whisper on the radio at the weekend. There was a suggestion that maybe Sheffield United aren't overly pleased with our treatment, shall we say? Yeah, it's one of those ones that... You imagine a player like him, England was 20 international, came on loan to be back up last season. Do they really and, want him? And, and he was going to get his debut in the last couple of games. Yeah. Chris Beach has already said that, hasn't yeah. he? You do wonder, are they going to look at him and think, we don't want him sat on, possibly even in the stands for those last, the next few months? Probably not, no. I'd imagine they'd rather get him out somewhere else. Be, I'm sure there'll be other League 2 clubs who'd happily take him on loan. So oh, even League 1? In League 1, yeah. So it's one of those ones where you think to yourself, We've probably, probably got to play a careful game here, but at the same time, I understand why Beach might look and think I've got to protect my assets here and yeah, yeah, involve my own players. So, um, yeah, so yeah, okay, so yeah, there's that one. The injuries, I suppose, could pre- provide an opportunity for a few players though. So, Danny Devine featured on a Tuesday night, apparently did okay. Taylor Charter's similar. He certainly looks like he's bulked out over the summer, doesn't he? When you look at the size of him now, yeah, definitely. and uh, and obviously the other one that we're excited about is Lewis Bell. I think with those injuries in attack in particular, I think there's a good chance he might be involved on the bench again this weekend. Possibly Jamie Armstrong as well, maybe again, because he hasn't gone out alone. So it'll be interesting to see who actually features against uh, the Valiants. Port Vale now, let's look at their team news. We've got a bit more than we did last week on this one. 
Thankfully, Portville got their news out nice and early on this. So uh, it looks like David Amir won't be involved. Um, he limped out after, I think, seven minutes against Wigan. Yeah, it was an early one, game. wasn't it? Yeah, so um, he looks like he won't be involved. Right back, James Gibbons also hobbled off towards the end of that game. He definitely won't feature because it looks like he's out for a while for them. There's talk that they're looking to try and get another right back into cover. Also injured are Manny... God, Manny, are you lakey? Are you lakey? <laughs> I hope I got that one right. Uh, Zach Mills, and there's talk that Harry McCurdy might not be involved. He wasn't in the squad in midweek, so there's a possibility he might not be uh, featuring. Uh, Nathan Smith, for them, is actually self-isolating. So whether he'll be back in time for that game, I'm not 100%, but the fact that he's self-isolating suggests he probably hasn't trained either, so you imagine he probably won't be involved in that game uh, the big one for them is that Tom Pope returned for that EFL Trophy game he's back for his first league game this weekend having been suspended for the first six games of the season for being a naughty boy on Twitter if you want to find out what he did go and google it I'm not going to talk about it it's, uh, he was a bit of a prat let's put it that way ok Dan predictions for this one I would take a point here I'd take a point all day long so you're going to go for your, I think, is it your third 1-1 one, one in a row yeah 1-1 <laughs> one, one. I could see that being quite a regular oh, thing this season who are you going to go for goal scorer Oh, goal scorer. If he plays, Gavin Riley. Oh, I'll be happy with that one. You know what? It's one of those daft games, I think, because of their injuries as well and ours. I think we might dig in here and I think we might nick a 1 0 win. I'm going with that. I thought you were going to go for like a, a 4 3 or something. No, there. no. I've, I mean, he could. The thing is, the, the way I'm looking at it is that we've got our defence intact. That's the key thing. We've got no issues in defence. And you'd imagine Guy and Mellish will probably both feature. There's in midfield as well. It's the attacking ones you're not sure about. I think we've got a fairly solid base to work from. And if Furman's fit, even more solid. So I think we can sort of dig in and grind something out. So I'm going for 1-0 win. Again, with you, I'll go with Riley as a scorer. If he doesn't feature, I think Mellish will get another. He's on a roll. He's going to get a few (laughs) more. We're we're a big John Mellish fan club now, aren't we? Oh, Um, massive. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, that's uh, looking at the Port Vale game sorted out. So let's move on to our usual feature on XCUFC players. And first up, Dan, uh, a player both you and me liked, didn't we? But he just never quite fitted in. Stefan Skugel's got a new club, hasn't he? Yeah, he joined. Uh, he was announced as joining Allowood Athletic in the Scottish Championship yesterday yeah. before their uh, their match last night. Which uh, uh, Allowood are probably one of the smaller Championship clubs, but it's, mm. if anything, it puts him in the window. If he has a good season there, he might. Move back to a, a Livingston or an Inverness or someone that sort yeah. of size. It's interesting because a lot of, some of the fans don't particularly rate him. I think some saw he was a good technical player, but he just didn't fit in. When you look at the reaction on the tweet that Alloway posted, their fans are absolutely loving it. And yeah, fans of other clubs are like saying, oh, gutted, I wouldn't mind if he was for us. He's a well-thought-of player up in Scotland, isn't he? Yeah, and again, he's he's one who, when I, I just don't think we played to his strengths. Yeah, you know, absolutely. He's one who needs it through the middle where he can do his work and we were tending to go wide, weren't we? Um, come on then, let's mention him. Jamie Devitt. So there you go. We're what, an, hour, an hour in or so and we've uh, finally mentioned his name. Um, so yeah, Jamie Devitt reports today that his future at Blackpool is going to be sorted out next week one way or another, which suggests to me that they're basically just sorting out, paying him off basically, doesn't it, I think? Well, um, I've I've heard from one of my sources... Yeah. that the Blackpool end of the deal has been done for a few weeks now mm-hmm. and it's all about him finding a club that will pay him X amount and my understanding is X amount isn't massive yeah. because Blackpool are prepared to pay so much of it anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, so it should be interesting to see where he ends up because reading between the lines, it 
it's looking unlikely it'll be Carlisle now, doesn't it? I think, um, especially with Mali coming in. But you never know. I suppose if if, if a player picks up an injury, we might think. I do know Oldham were sniffing about. Mm. There's a little exclusive for you. But whether, whether that comes off, we'll see. And the last one, Dan, there's not really much to the XEFC stuff today, is there? As we're recording this, Dean Henderson is on the bench for England. He's not got his first cap still yet, still waiting for that. Hopefully um, come on as a sub. That's what we're hoping for, isn't it? So, yeah. He's we, been we, in- we, we've heard that it's more beneficial if he makes an appearance in a friendly before a, a full game. Yeah. Basically, I think there's possibly clauses to both. Yeah. Whereas if he played in a Nations League game before a friendly, we would lose the friendly element of yeah. it. So you'd imagine the friendly amount's probably not going to be as bigger an amount. But once no. he gets his full cap, because obviously once he gets his full cap, that's him declared for England, isn't it? Yeah, so yeah. If he plays tonight, he's not actually declared for England yet, is he? So yeah, uh, I don't know if he's actually able to play for anyone else, like Scotland or Wales or something, but um, that's the way that works. So I think that's it, Dan. It's a little bit longer yeah. than we thought it was going to be, but yeah, we had a yeah. bit of a rant, didn't we, about uh, yeah. B-teams and the like. I'm looking forward to editing that and putting the bleeps in for everyone. <laughs> so that's it for this week. Uh, Dan, thank you for joining me, as usual. Blah, blah, blah. Um, so I am currently putting together the 0506 season specials. It's going to take a while because it's a good couple of hours worth at least. So I just need to uh, do a bit of tweaks to that. Um, we are going to do the kit episode soon, aren't we? You've written some bits in Yeah, I'm, I've uh, started making sense of my scrawled notes for this. Yep, yep so there's that. Um Next week, I'm going to be speaking to John Cole from the News and Star about his new Cal United book, Bolts from the Blues. Uh, that episode should be out not long after. We'll talk about the book and a little bit about how Carlisle are doing this season and a few other bits about uh, some of his favourite topics like the EFL Trophy. Um, have you got the book yet, Dan? Actually, I was going to ask you that. No, I haven't picked it up yet. I've not. I've not. I've hardly been in town in the last couple yeah. of weeks or down to the club shops. So. Uh, well, I, I finished it the other night, fine. I'd, I'd, I'd read it in little bits at first, and then I just blitzed through over yeah, a couple yeah. of nights. And it's a cracking little read. It really, really is some really interesting stories, particularly about goals and plays that I didn't really know about myself because they're before my time. So it was just nice to read them. So, yeah, uh, if you've got any comments or feedback or there's anything you'd like to suggest we discuss, please send them in via Twitter to at Brunton Bugle or by email to bruntonbugle at gmail.com. Or you can comment on the post we put on the Be Just and Fear Not Facebook group all the time. Um, remember, you can subscribe to the podcast via all good podcast apps, including Acast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Please do also give us a review. We really appreciate the excellent feedback we've had so far. Do you want to go through the countries quickly again, Dan? I'm going to have to learn. Yeah, was it, was it Sweden was a new country? Uh, oh, or did we was, say that last time? I think that was last time. I have not updated the running order as usual. As usual. Uh, uh, I always end up leaving things from previous weeks in, don't I? So let me look at my map. I've got there's a lovely map in the ACAST uh, system that shows me where all the uh, countries are. So it looks like Germany's back in the game. They were out for a little bit. Uh, it doesn't look like we're Vietnam's still in there, still very popular. Uh, Sweden's popular, Ireland, Netherlands, Denmark, Australia, USA, Germany, Chile. Chile's back in the game. We uh, had yeah, that a while good, ago, good, didn't we? So yeah, yeah. good. The uh, Santiago Blues are back on it. I think. Let me just double check. Which whereabouts in Chile is it? So I can give you a shout out. Maybe someone trekking there. It's in Las Condes. I don't know where Las Condes go. is. So if you're Las Condes Blues, there's your shout out, lads. All the best. All the best. Uh, I think that's it, Dan. So we'll be back next week with another episode, uh, and obviously that John Coleman special. So uh, thanks for listening, and up the blues. Up the blues. Oh,